Warning, this is the Arrowhead Boys Podcast, a Kansas City Chiefs podcast made completely by two random guys whose opinions don't matter. Enjoy. What is up? You are now tuned in to the second episode of the Arrowhead Boys podcast. You are here with your hosts and producers, Eric Lupartis and my guy, Tyler Fortner. Tyler, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Eric. I'm excited for the second episode this week. Hell yeah, hell yeah. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, April 6th. And here on this podcast, we talk Chiefs, Chiefs, nothing but the Chiefs and some other football stuff. But today we're going to talk defense, the new faces on the team, and then we're going to do this podcast's first mock draft. So to begin with the defense, and I want to take it back to Brett Veach's uh, press conference at the end of the season. And with the grimacing face, homie didn't look happy at all, explaining how there was probably going to be some changes coming to the defense, and specifically he said the defensive line. But so far in this offseason, we've been seeing the same cast, Minus Alex Okafor and uh, pending Melvin Ingram, hopefully, if we can get him back. Um, but what has been your takeaway with this? I think my biggest takeaway is something that, like you said, is the same cast. Frank Clark is still there. The Chiefs lost five starters on their defense. The one guy everyone expected, and the Chiefs even announced themselves about a month before free agency, is that Frank Clark would be moved. He would be traded or he would be released. But here we are, less than a month away from the draft, and he's still on the team, and it looks like we're rolling into the season with him. Yeah, man, that, that to be honest with you, is probably the biggest shocker that came to me was restructuring Frank Clark. And like I even said on the last podcast, I mean, you, you, you had – you could have you could have released him before you know June, and then you would have saved uh, what was it thirteen, or you could release him post June, and you would have saved like eighteen. But instead, you right. saved twelve, so it was less than everything. I get why they did it because there was probably no good free agents that they that they wanted to sign out there, or you know at the end of the day, you would have had to make like some some random ass trade or some trade that no one would have liked. You would have had to given up so many picks for one whatever player. And I don't think Brett Veach honestly wanted to do that. Not this year. And um, you still have Chris Jones. He's going into his third year of his contract, I believe. And I even said it. I think this is, I think this is it for him. If he does not come out and have some all pro year or specifically in the playoffs, like I know he still leads the team in sacks and shit, but man, we're going to have to start seeing those in the playoffs, at least like, you know, some some replicated of that. I mean, I'm I'm tired of seeing pressures, and I I know Spags likes to come out and say like, oh well, I just like to get pre- I just like to get pressure at the quarterback. But um, instead, like, bro, you all know that the most important thing is sacks, and I know he cares about sacks at the end of the day. But still, like, I hate it when he fucking says like, oh, I just want to get pressure. We just need to get pressure all the time, but. You know, at the end of the day, like you said it, we lost five starters on the defense. 
Um, I don't think they're going to make like a format, like a scheme change as far as like making a dramatic switch to like a four, three to a three, four, like they did in 2018 going into the 2019 season. But I definitely think that he's going to, he, he saw how Melvin Ingram impacted the defense at the end of the year. He saw that with that speed and may, maybe even, well, I wouldn't even say with Terrell Suggs because Terrell Suggs was kind of slow, but having his presence was good. But Melvin Ingram specifically, you saw how having his speed, even with his power, I mean, it was, it elevated the defensive line and like no other. So I, I think maybe Spagnolo might have seen that and may have realized that, Hey, we might have to start implementing a little bit more speed off the edge. You know, maybe having my guys stand up more, more than having their hands in the dirt. Maybe having guys come in a little bit lighter instead of having them weigh in around 260, 270. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think seeing these guys stand up, I think everyone from here on out is going to be looking for their version of Micah Parsons from Dallas. True. Um, uh, kind of a hybrid linebacker, edge rusher, defensive end, who is fast enough to chase down any quarterback, who is fast enough to get around the edge of any tackle and go get their guy. You know, we might, with losing Tyron Matthew, we may, like you said, we may not move out of a 4-3, but we may move from a three-safety set to a, a three-corner set, like a traditional nickel. But the Chiefs, over the past few years, when they – do have more defensive backs on the field, whether it's three safeties or three corners. We only we only roll with one linebacker. So that being the case, you have to hope that you're getting, like Spagnola likes to say, pressure with just three, even four guys. But the problem is, is we only get pressure from one guy, and he's double teamed. And that's Chris Jones. Right, right. And when you say pressure, you got to say it like in his his New York or his Jersey accent, wherever the hell he's from. He's like, you got to get pressure pressure at the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, man. It, that, but like I'm saying, though, you know, we stand Mel, a guy like Melvin Ingram up, who's a little bit quicker. Look what happens. It, and like, like I said, that's the same thing that Dallas did with Micah Parsons. They took a risk on a guy who really was listed more of a linebacker, but he, I, I think he, he, I think he even made All Pro last year, his rookie year. I think he did. Well, I know he at least got Defensive Rookie of the Year, but yeah, um, yeah, no. As far as the coverages go, like, yeah, I think you're going to see – hopefully they just stick with more cover two, and you're only going to see two safeties out there more with, your, you know, your traditional two linebackers and three corners because well, that's all really he runs probably about 85% of the time is – or I would, I would probably say about 75% of the time he runs nickel, traditional nickel. And then on third downs he, he would like to go and dime. And then, honestly, if we have, a like, a high score, if we're, we're running up the score and we have a good enough lead, then he's going to run dime the entire time. And that's right. the one linebacker, and that was Ben Neiman. And then we saw the three safety, the triangle coverage with Tyron Matthew, Sorensen, and Thornhill. And then he sometimes would roll with uh, – usually he'd bring Snead in the nickel, and then you'd have Fenton and Ward as your outside guys. But – um no, I think the biggest thing, what he really realized is we need to get more athletic at that spot. You you can't have guys out there like Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen who can't move worth the shit. It's in that specific formation. That formation is for guys to who, who or who are able to move. Guys who are being who are able to drop in coverage. 
guys who are able to move sideline to sideline. Willie Gay should be in that that package at all times, or at least someone to his caliber. He should never he should never be taken off the field. Not not with his not with his athleticism. So I I don't know I don't know what uh, Spags is really gonna do specifically. I know that the front is probably gonna be the same as far as like you know you're gonna see four down linemen, but his edge rushers may be more stand up than the traditional hand in the dirt. Um, you know I you usually see Frank Clark kind of switching back and forth, but um, we need more speed off the edge. That's that's what it comes down to. Right. Something that stands out to me, you know, you're mentioning these these unathletic. I don't want to say unathletic. They are in the NFL. They are athletes and they are night and day better than anyone talking about them. Right. The only thing is, you know, I look back at the first time we played Buffalo last year and Anthony Hitchens is dropping back in coverage. He (laughs) is not a coverage linebacker. He is a run support hole plugging linebacker and he is he's running backwards away from the play because his job was to drop back into his zone. That's not the guy you have there. Even Nick Bolton is not the guy you have in that situation. And Nick Bolton is very athletic himself. The thing that stands out to me though, besides that, is the Chiefs had very few sacks last year. Mm-hmm. They forced very little turnovers. And Honestly, they missed a ton of tackles, and that goes for every single player on that defense. Oh, yeah. Whether it was a business decision or, you know, I'm a little banged up, I can't go full speed into somebody, whatever the case is, there are so many times the Chiefs defense has just let guys run by them without even any effort of trying to tackle them. Yeah, you see it. Frank Clark, he gives up on plays easily. Uh, Chris Jones, he gets lazy. You, you get Hitchens uh, hooking and curling on an inside zone run, so he wants to run away from the play. And then you have – and then, yeah, you have Tyron Matthew who, yeah, at the, yeah he made some business decisions. He, 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 he played a little bit banged up, but you know what? You're in the NFL, man. And so, yeah, he, he, he made some business decisions. And, you know, Thornhill, he missed tackles. Sorensen missed tackles. Um, and we can go on and on. But this defense was not good. Even, even when they brought Melvin Ingram back and they, you know, they were on a roll for a little bit. But still, they, they, were, they were still shaky in a lot of ways. And specifically, it, it came down to the pass rush because we couldn't get a sack worth the shit. We couldn't sack anybody. No, and like you were saying with Chris Jones, when it when the sacks count are in the postseason, mm-hmm. I watched Josh Allen get away from him numerous times. I get it. It's Josh Allen. He's a big guy. He's kind of like Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to be a little bit harder to bring down. It's probably going to take two guys to take him down, if you, especially on a guy that size. However, the following week you're playing Joe Burrow, not nearly as big, who has the worst offensive line, one of the worst in history, and especially the last two years, he's been sacked over 100 times. Sacked 11 times the week before. Sacked 11 times the week before, and Chris Jones could not bring him down. There were numerous times he had him wrapped up and just let him go. Three times, and that was honestly, I told everybody, I think that right there showed the defeat in the defense, and I think that right there told Brett Veach that, hey, I need I need to get these guys out of here. That this is not gonna cut it no more. Ben Neiman, you're out. Morrison, you're out of here. Tyron Matthew, bye. Uh, Hitchens, bye. 
you know, these, you know, you need new faces. And, you know, I think he wants to get younger. He wants to get faster, more athletic. That's why he brought in a guy like Justin Reed and, you know, the, you know, Dion Bush. I don't, I, I don't know what his role is going to be, but some have been saying that he may be Daniel Sorensen's replacement, but the bottom line is we need to get faster. We need to get younger. And, I, you know, I still think we need a veteran, some veteran in the secondary. I love having at least one veteran in that that presence because that's right now. I, the oldest guys are are Fenton and uh, Thornhill. You know, those are the oldest guys in the secondary, I, I believe, unless Justin Reed and Justin Reed may be older than them. But Justin Reed's new to the system, so he's still technically a young person to the team. Um so then, yeah, you need an old guy, and I know an older guy. That's why there's been these rumors about possibly bringing in, you know, Stephon Gilmore or, you know, maybe actually, you know what, they actually shot down the trade rumors for trade, uh, Brad, uh, Bradbury. So yep. I don't know what that's – I don't know how that's going to turn out. Yeah, I don't think there is a defensive back. We're talking about defensive backs. I don't think there's a single one over the age of 26, and I think that would, that would have to either be Fenton or – read because i think they came in about the same time mm-hmm. i think like you we, we need to bring in a guy that's a veteran just to like we said earlier the chiefs lost charvarius ward that's a starter you can bring in a, a veteran guy and plug him into a starting role right. plus Agnolo doesn't trust rookies for whatever reason and that's come to bite him in the ass a few times the past couple years mm-hmm but bottom line, though, I think the the problem on the defense is the Chiefs just don't have any dogs. They don't have guys that want want to go get it. They don't have that nastiness. They don't have that toughness. You know, or, a few years ago, the Chiefs didn't have dogs on the offensive line. Well, now we do. Right. It, well, in 2019, that was the whole point of why they brought in you know Tyre Matthew and Frank Clark, and we saw it, and that's obviously why we won a championship. And then after that the dogs they started they started getting put to sleep so i i don't know i mean there's going to be some changes there's going to be more changes you know draft is coming up so Brett Veach it's it, it like i said it just comes down to him and you know what he sees is right for this team i think that the defense is probably the main priority and i don't think they're they may they may do one more thing to the offense but as of right now, the defense seems to be the number one priority on the team. Yeah, and it should be. Um, you know, there's a lot of games last year where Patrick Mahomes didn't necessarily lose them a game or, you know, the offense lost them games. It it was the defense. There's a lot of there's a lot of times where it's busted coverage. If you can hold a guy like Jamar Chase out of the end zone just one time, mm-hmm. Then that's a whole different game. Both time, both the week I think it was what week sixteen, week sixteen game, we lost by three. Obviously in the playoffs we lost. Mm-hmm. If you just keep one of those receivers from scoring, there's no issue. Going back to Buffalo, there would be no thirteen second and then overtime drive if you could just kept uh, Gabriel Davis out of the end zone one time. Mm-hmm. But they can't do it. The, def- the defense was a major issue in the beginning of the year. Then, obviously, there was the eight weeks where it, it was gradually better with adding Melvin Ingram and making some changes, lessening Daniel Sorensen's role and bringing Thornhill more. 
but then, you know, they fell off again, you know, and it was it started right at that um, that Bengals game after we lost by three and blew the lead. It, it mirrored it right in the AFC title game. Um, the defense didn't really get any better going in the playoffs. I mean, we played Pittsburgh, but you're playing against corpse Ben Roethlisberger. I think any defense would fucking go good against him. Um but and then you you said it yourself, giving up so many damn yards to Gabriel Davis in the in the Buffalo Bills game, and then you know and then we played Cincinnati and the same shit happens. And I think Brett Veach looked at it and he's like, you know what, enough is enough. Yeah, you know one thing that it's kind of funny how things like change in 2018. The Chiefs were kept out of a Super Bowl because not because of defensive backs or lack of turnovers or lack of actually sacking the quarterback, we could not stop the run to save our life. Right. Every, every single team knew if you were playing Kansas city and if you could just get up one touchdown on any point in the game and, you know, keep Kansas city from scoring somehow one time, you could run the ball the rest of the game and you would win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the chiefs run defense. It's not the best, but it's way better than it was in 2018. A better. And a lot of our defensive backs are, you know, still kind of here a little bit. There's a few of them still here. But now it's completely different. We can't stop the pass. We have good defensive backs. They just aren't. It's two things. They're not doing their job. Or, you know, everyone else around them doesn't know what they're doing. So everyone's having to do two positions at one time. Right, and I think you saw that a lot in Tyron Matthew trying to cover everybody's ground, and that ultimately took him away from his positioning and what he needed to do because he didn't trust other guys. That's why we saw him throwing his hands up a lot, and that's ultimately why we saw him maybe get burnt a few times because I'm sure in the back of his head he's probably worried about what Daniel's doing or he's worried about what Legarius is doing or he's worried about what Rashad Fenton is doing, you know, so – I can understand where frustrations came from him, but specifically though, but he needed to play better himself too. I I, I don't know, man. It I, at the end of the day, I just I think that there does need to be somewhat somewhat of another shift. I wouldn't say a complete overhaul, but a little bit of a shift. And who knows what that may be. I think this is Spagnolo's last chance. Um the reason saying that is something that stands out is Daniel Sorensen spent his entire career in Kansas City. And he originally was a captain on the defense, and he did a lot of not necessarily the box playing that Tyron Matthew did, but as far as, hey, you know, kind of line these defensive backs up, tell them their jobs, that whole deal. When Tyron Matthew went out against Buffalo, he had spent, what, nine years here, and he could not line anyone up. The reason I say that is because the second he walked on the field, everyone had their hands up looking at him like, what do we do? And Buffalo scores. Mm-hmm. I don't look at that necessarily so much his fault is, even though he has been here long enough, he should know. Spagnolo should have guys out there knowing to know what they're doing in the first place. But Spagnolo should be... Spagnuolo should be the guy. He is the defensive coordinator. He is the one at the end of the day that is in charge. And if he's not teaching his guys, then maybe it's time for him to go. Right. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's really, like you said, it's 
he needs guys out there that knows what they're doing, but he really needs guys that can do something. But it's and, his responsibility to teach them that at the same time. Right, right, exactly. It is. Um, but anyways, when we get back, guys, we're going to look into the new free agents on the team. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, so we're going to get into the free agents that we've signed so far. And I want to say that we've signed about 11 guys so far this offseason. Um, I'm going to list those out, and that's uh, Justin Reed, safety, Juju Smith-Schuster, wideout, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, wideout, Corey Coleman, wideout, Bush, Deion Bush, safety, uh, Luke Barku, corner, Jermaine Carter, linebacker, uh, Elijah Lee, linebacker, Jaron Christian, offensive tackle, Ronald Jones, running back, and uh, newest acquired uh, is Dante Stallworth, interior defensive line. Um, what do you think about those free agent signings? I think it kind of – the Eric Reed signing, I understand. Um, at the time, the Chiefs did not have a ton of cap space. They had just lost – was it safety of the decade and right. Tyron Matthew? Um, the thing with Eric Reed, he doesn't leap off the Justin screen. Excuse, yeah, Justin Reed, sorry. He doesn't leap off the screen to me when I watch him play. Um, I'm a big believer in what do my eyes tell me versus what does PFF or any analytics system tell me. My eyes tell me he's not a superstar and he's stepping into a position where the Chiefs have had a superstar for the past three years. Mm-hmm. And that scares me a little bit because, again, we lost five starters on the defense alone and we really only filled one of them with a the legitimate starter in Reed. So are the Chiefs planning on drafting a bunch of guys in the first couple rounds and just plugging them in, which is not a Spagnolo thing to do? Or are we going to wait until after the draft and see what else is out there in free agency to kind of plug in some guys that maybe they're not sure about from the draft? Right, right. Yeah, it honestly, it can go so many ways. Um, on Justin Reed, yeah, I kind of agree. He's not a flashy safety. He doesn't have a lot of film out there that makes him like, this top five guy or anything like that. And yeah, he is essentially stepping into a role of an all decade player, uh, three time all pro, you know, at his position, um, Super Bowl champion, uh, two time team, team MVP of the defense. Um, Captain. Captain, honestly. Yeah, he was captain of the, he was captain of the defense, but he was also team MVP, two time team, team MVP. Um, but honestly, I don't think they're going to really expect him to come in and be like that leader that he was. I mean, he's still a fairly young guy. I think they're going to try to shift that role more into like the linebacking core, try to make sure Nick Bolton or Willie Gay are taking over the, those spots a little bit more. Now, I'm not saying it's not something that he can develop into. I just don't think it's fair to for him, at least, to say that, hey, let's just go ahead and bring him in and automatically name him captain of the secondary. It's his secondary like it was Tyron Matthews secondary. You know, I, I don't I don't think that's fair to him. And I also don't think that 
he's necessarily wanting to come in and actually like take over that role that Tyron Matthew was, you know, essentially. But I think he'll come in, he'll be, you know, he'll be utilized the right way. He he can kind of do a few things that Tyron did as as far as positional wise goes. He plays mainly deep, but you have seen him a couple times come up the line of scrimmage and, you know, play some box or uh, some robber. Um, but that, as far as the defense goes, you're right. That's kind of like the legitimate starter as far as we know, because it's, I mean, his contract specifically says that he's going to be a starter. Um, but to hop over the offensive side, we signed Juju Smith-Schuster. That was the other free, that was the second free agents that we had signed. And, um, I really liked his contract. It's only a one-year deal, uh, 3 million up to 10 million in incentives. Uh, I always like to call those, you know, those one-year deals, prove it deals. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about Juju? Um, you know, I expected him to play with Tyree kill. Like I think everyone else did. I was really excited about bringing, bringing Juju in because I remember what he looked like on the opposite side of Antonio Brown and, a big reason Antonio Brown left Pittsburgh was because Juju was voted offensive MVP uh, MVP of the year that year. And Antonio Brown didn't like that and said, I'm out. You know, I won out. And that was documented. And then Juju became the number one guy. He's been injury prone. And, you know, two I think it was two years ago, he was obviously had another injury in 2021. But two years ago, he had 97 catches for only 800 yards. Mm-hmm. Is that a Ben Roethlisberger's age, not being able to throw the ball deep anymore? Or is that him kind of regressing into, hey, I'm, I really am only a number two. I'm not a true number one. I was just out there with a future Hall of Famer that made me look good. Right. And I want to say in 2018 is when he had his 1,400-yard season. And then 2019, he had to play with uh, Mason Rudolph and uh, – freaking what was it Hodges yeah the duck Evan Hodges you know and he still got you know 800 yards and stuff you know so playing with guys like that and then yeah he did have the kind of got banged up a little bit I want to say no actually he played he played the full 2020 season I believe he didn't really have I think had like probably 700 I don't know I don't have his stats up real uh, let me look those up real quick but I definitely think that adding him to this offense, although we did think originally it was going to be with Tyree Kill, is still going to open up it in a lot of ways. I think he's going to take the underneath routes like that Sammy Watkins did, and you know, I, and that's going to open up you know your deep threats. Yeah, but you know, last year um, he was a little injury prone, but they also they brought in Chase Claypool a few years ago. That's going to take some targets away from Juju. Mm -hmm. Deontay Johnson went completely off this past season, who he established himself as the number one uh, wide receiver there in Pittsburgh. So I guess the the thing's going to be for Juju is it is kind of a prove-it deal. Hey, man, are you worth a $15 million a year contract, or are you worth these one-year just depth spot contracts? Mm-hmm. Um, another wide receiver that I'm kind of excited to see is uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yes. Now I know he wasn't anything flashy in Green Bay, but with his, you know, his combine stuff, he was six. He had he ran a four three at being six three. Um, you know, that's obviously fast for that build. 
and he's more of a vertical threat. He he goes deep. They they run him more on deep uh, patterns, but. Uh, they say that you know his problem was you know his he couldn't catch and that's that's going to be an issue here if you know if you're going to be in this offense um but last year it does look like that his his drop percentage was like at pretty much zero but it was 2020 where he had like a 20% drop rate and that that's just not that's just not going to cut it yeah the the thing with scantling is he like I said, he's 6'3". He runs a 4'3", which seems to be about half of the wide receiver draft class this year. Um, maybe he has a little bit of freelancing in him because of playing with Aaron Rodgers, which would be great for Patrick Mahomes, especially losing a guy like Tyreek Hill who could just go out and run and run and get open. Um, if that's kind of why they're bringing him in, awesome. I really – I'm not sold on him for the fact that Devontae Adams at one point averaged 22 targets a game last year. So when you're getting all those targets, they're going to lightly cover a guy like Marquez. The fact that he probably wasn't covered very often and he was still dropping all those balls and couldn't put up more than 600 yards a game, is he worth 30-some million dollars? Yeah, you know, and I think they try to make his deal a little bit more team friendly and try to make it more center based. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not saying I'm. I, I think he's gonna ha- come in here and light it up and tailor in like 800 yards or anything like that. But if he can be somewhat serviceable in any way, you know, I'll take it. I mean, the biggest thing for him is. You know, he just needs to just utilize his speed, you know, and Andy Reid's going to scheme a way for him to get open. That's just who what he does. He finds multiple ways to get all his weapons open. Um, but the next free agent that we signed was uh, there were actually like these minor signings and it started off with Corey Coleman. I don't know where his last stint was, but looks like that. It, I mean, I could be wrong. Was it New York? I believe that's right. I remember when Corey Coleman was drafted. At the time, he was regarded as probably the biggest boom player in the first round of that draft. I be, I want to say he came out of Baylor. I could be wrong, but I want to say he came out of Baylor. You're right. And he was, he was a, a decently built guy who was super fast, who really didn't drop the ball. I know he spent some time in Cleveland. I can't remember if that's who originally drafted him, but he bounced around the league quite a bit and just couldn't stick anywhere. And it was really never known why. He had a couple injuries, but he just he would make a, a team and be cut sometimes before training camp even started. So I'm wondering if he has off the field issues or if you know he's got personal issues that no one really knows about. Right. Yeah, no, I I know he's taken a little bit of a hiatus from the league and stuff like that. So who knows? Uh, I I did see that he was one of the receivers out there training with Mahomes. I think that was him, Juju. Uh, Want to say and Clyde was definitely there. Rojo was there. Rojo was there too. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to see those guys are you know working together, getting building some chemistry. That's what you love to see, especially. I mean, got a new receiving core. Like, this is a whole new – like, the Legion of Zoom is done. Like, right. 
know if that was, you know, if you even wanted to call it a phase of Mahomes, as I like to call it, that was his first phase of his his career, you know, was the Legion of Zoom. I mean, it started off with, you know, Sammy Watkins, but then he fell off and then, then you know, D-Rob is gone, Pringle's gone, Hill is gone, and, you know, you're only left with Hartman. So, you know, right. that, you're now this is beginning a new phase with a new set of core people. So who knows how that's going to look like. Right. I Honestly, out of all of the offensive acquisitions, the one I'm most excited for is Ronald Jones. Um, I think he mm-hmm. could be one of those sleeper guys you bring in because he was good in Tampa. He had a bit of a fumbling problem. But he was a bigger powerhouse back. And I remember when we played Tom Brady the first time in Tampa, you know, obviously we jumped up to a mega lead. But I remember when they started running the ball with him, he was ripping off 20-yard gains pretty consistently against our defense, which, you know, it was a Chiefs defense at the time that probably was taking plays off because of the way the score was. But he looked really good, and I was surprised that Tampa didn't bring him back. I know they brought Fournette back, but I think Ronald Jones would have been the better option for him. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and I I'm excited, but I'm excited to have him here. I shit, I mean, if they're not going to keep him, we're going to go ahead and take him. So, uh, I I see, you know, we see a lot of that Kareem Hunt style of running, um, and specifically how he, you know, he can move in between the tackles. I think that's just what this offense has been missing, specifically since the departure of Kareem Hunt, and if we utilize him more, who knows? He he may end up becoming RB1, depending on how the circumstance is going to be. Now, we know, Andy, it's, it's still going to be a running back by committee. But, you know, I think when we did have Kareem Hunt, we saw him a lot in there more, and then you would occasionally see Spencer Ware come in. But with having a guy, a workhorse back that can – do it all you know that's going to take a lot of pressure off of Mahomes at the end of the day right yeah I'm like I said again I'm excited for him um running back by committee is this the is this the committee that might put Chiefs back into a deeper playoff run is it is it the committee that might put Patrick Mahomes back into MVP status, Patrick Mahomes, where there's not so much pressure. Um, granted, he's not going to have Tyree Gill and those guys, but is it going to be enough to where Pat can step back and not have to worry about throwing it 50 times a game? Right. You know, and, you know, I think, you know, the biggest thing is they want him to start learning to step up in the pocket more. And I think he knows that too. He's pointed that out plenty of times. He needs to step up, step up in the pocket, utilize what's, you know, utilize what the defense has given him throw it out to the flat more, utilize your running backs. Uh, I know Cl- I, they might do it. They might do it where you, you might see Rojo on first and second downs, and then you bring CEH in on third downs and use him more in the passing game. Cause at this point, I think that's, that's the strength with this offense is in the passing game. I, they, you know, they've tried to give, you know, CEH a lot of chances to be that number one guy, and his biggest thing really has been health. You've seen flashes of good games, but he just can't stay healthy on the team. So I understand why they bring in a guy like Ronald Jones. Um, well, you lose a guy like Daryl Williams. Well, he's not lost, but no, there's, yeah. there's no news on him coming back. I haven't heard anything on his visit with Arizona. Um, 
but yeah, he's still production that you're replacing because he took over yeah. a lot of the snaps when Ceh was out. Right, and like and like you said, he's been injury prone. If you look at his numbers, he's on pace for a thousand yards his first two years. It's just, dude, you gotta stay on the field. You can't you can't get hurt. And while you are a short guy, you're still over two hundred pounds. Well, he's listed over two hundred pounds. You don't know that for sure, but. You're going to have to be out there, and it seems that he is more deadly in the pass game, like his rookie year, which were a lot of screenplays with more athletic offensive line. Mm -hmm. But you may see, like you said, you may see Ronald Jones on first and second down, and if the Chiefs are in a third and eight, third and 15, which last year was pretty common, you may see him come out of the backfield and just catch the ball and you know see what you can get after the run. Yeah, utilize him more in the screen game. Um yeah, so we signed a couple of linebackers, uh, Jermaine Carter out of North Carolina. He's from uh, the Carolina Panthers. He seems like he took over their mic position, was their starting middle linebacker, and he actually played a lot, all three positions on their defense. Um, I don't know what his role is going to be, but as of right now, he's your, your third linebacker on the team. Uh, so – who knows, maybe they might utilize him like they use Neiman. He may just be a special teams guy at the end of the day. We don't know. I haven't really looked at any of his film. I mean, from what Carolina Panther fans say is that he's a guy who misses a lot of tackles, and that's what we fucking had to deal with last year was missed tackles. So I, I don't want to add another guy who's just going to add to that problem. But you never know. Sometimes new guys excel in different you know situations. Uh, then they signed uh, uh, another guy, Elijah Lee, and uh, he's he's actually local. He lives in – well, he's from Blue Springs. I wouldn't say he still lives here. Uh, he went to Blue Springs High School, and we uh, – I played against him at least. I don't know – I don't think you guys played Blue Springs at all. I don't – did you? No, we were – we were a uh, – uh, I think we were a class below them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were 6A, at least some of them. So, yeah, we played him, and he was a freaking nature athlete. I can tell you he played defensive end and wide receiver, and I remember our quarterback just kept throwing it to his, like just throwing it over to his side, like to whoever receiver was on that side, and he would just tip the pass and pick six it and run it back. He did it three times in one game. So I just remember telling someone on the sideline, like, yeah, that dude's going to the NFL. And lo and behold, he – you know, was in the league. It looks like he was his last stint was with Cleveland, uh, mainly been a special teams guy. Uh, I think he was a seventh round draft pick by the Vikings or maybe a sixth rounder. Yeah, I, I yeah, maybe uh, I, I do know that he he did have a stint with the 49ers and he actually played in the Super Bowl when we played um, against them. And he hit Hardman a few times on special teams. Uh, I don't know if you remember the play. There was a specific play where Hardman got rung up on uh, special teams, and that was that was a play made by Elijah Lee. So, I mean, it's cool to see the local guys, especially when they get to play for their hometown team. Too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my my homie Josh Caldwell was in that position, he, although he only got to play in uh, two preseason games. I mean, that it was just cool to see a guy that literally grew up right across the street from me. And, you know, just doing, you know, pl being childhood friends and stuff. It's just, it was cool to see that. 
Um, it looks like we also signed a uh, offensive tackle. Jaron, his name is Jaron Christian. Uh, looks like he can play both sides. He might just be a swing tackle piece. I mean, we kind of need that. We don't know what the right side is going to look like. So it's good to add that depth. Um, and then it looks like our uh, next free agent that we signed, actually the we recently just signed him, was Dante Stallworth. Yeah, I saw, I actually, I was talking to you yesterday about it, and I wasn't super familiar with him. Um, I looked up his numbers. He's, I think he played for New Orleans and Indianapolis. He's kind of been a rotational guy. Um, he's got a couple sacks in four years, but he's, again, he could just be one of those bodies that's cut after training camp. Could be a, a preseason cut. I don't see him being a guy on the 53 man roster, especially because they brought back Derek Naughty on a one-year deal. And this is such a deep defensive class. If there's a guy in the second round that they like, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted him. Right. I no, I, I completely get it. Um, I, I don't know if they brought in any other free agents. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, the second, the, the the secondary guys, uh, Luke Barku. I I have no idea who he is. Looks like he's out of Jacksonville. Had no any. I just don't know anything about him. So, no, and I don't know anything about him. And it's kind of like uh, a guy coming from Carolina. He's coming from a losing team. So, yeah, you know, it might be best not to look up his stats. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we, we mentioned a little bit about Dion Bush. Again, we don't know what his role's going to be in this defense. Um, like I said, some say it could be Daniel Sorensen's replacement, but he could just be another camp body at the end of the day. Yeah, and at, we have to remember at the time of bringing some of these guys in, we had no money. Um, yeah. Eric Hill trade wasn't done. Um, we didn't free up $27 million or have 27 to spend on some bigger-name guys. These were probably – just guys who are depth chart spots at the moment. And then we'll see what it looks like after camp. If we need to go sign a guy that didn't make another team's preseason cut, then they'll probably do that. But as of right now, with all the money that we have not bringing guys in, I think a lot of these guys aren't going to be on the 53 main roster. Yeah, no. And they and they also signed a lot of those guys right before the season ended to those future deals. So can't forget about those. And, you know, we still got the draft coming up. Um, And speaking of draft, we're going to go ahead and get into this uh, podcast's first mock draft. Damn, son, where'd you find this? This mock draft. Um, and before I start this, I remember saying in the last segment that I was going to look up Juju's uh, numbers. Uh, last year, his injured year, he only had 129. The 2020 season, he had 831, um, the COVID year. And then in 2019, when he played with all those busters, he only had 552. And then the year before that was the 1,400-yard season. Uh, but anyways – Let's get into this mock draft. We're going to go ahead and we are using the uh, Pro Football Network's NFL mock draft simulator. Um, we're going to do five rounds. Obviously, our team's the Chiefs. And do you, I don't, do you do slow, normal, or fast for like the speed? 
I do fast. I do too. I'm completely impatient for all those picks. So um, how do you want to go into this? Are you wanting to do defensive heavy, best player available, just, you know, by like what our fantasy picks would be? I mean, what, how do you, how you want to structure this? Well, obviously we're not in the war room. Um, <laughs> this is such a deep class at a lot of positions that Chiefs actually need as far as corner, edge rusher, as wide receiver. Um if it were me in a war room, I would just go with best available, whether they are coming off an injury like a Jamison Williams or David Ajabo, if they're there and the Chiefs have 29 and 30, I'm the guy that takes them both. But um, I think, yeah, with being so deep, I think you just take best available. I agree. And we're like I said, we're only going to do five rounds, even though we don't have a fifth round pick. We that's going to end us at the tail end of the fourth round. Um, Because, yeah, the Chiefs don't have a fifth or a sixth round this year, and we have four sevenths, and we're not going to fuck with those four sevenths because we we know damn well that Brett Veach is going to trade, if not one, at least all. (laughs) Or if not not all, at least one. Um, So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started. It's going ahead, and it's loading up right now. But we were saying earlier, you know, um, about Juju Smith-Schuster not having yep. a, a bit a good year since 2018. Um, I hope Chiefs fans realize, though, you can't expect 1,400 yards out of him. No. Even though Travis Kelsey is on the other side. Right. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to ask you. We're going to go ahead. We're going to decline all trades just for today, right? Yeah, we're as as of right now, the Chiefs have two first round draft picks at twenty nine and thirty, so that's how we're gonna pick them. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. So we're gonna go ahead and reject this trade that the Houston Texans want uh, our twenty ninth pick and our one hundred and thirty fifth pick, and they are gonna give us our their thirty seventh and next year's second. That's a bogus trade. Fuck you. <laughs> And then the Jets want to trade us the 35th and the uh, the 69th picks for our 29th pick and the 135th pick. So, no. And this final trade offer is pick 51 and pick 83 from Philly and next year's second round pick from Philly for, again, pick 29 and pick 135. So, reject that shit. All right. So, we're here at 29. Um... I'm I'm assuming you want to look defense, knowing that that's probably going to be the first position we go, or do you think they're going to go receiver first? When they're back-to-back picks like that, I if they hang on to them at 29 and 30, I don't think it matters. If there's an edge rusher that's there or a receiver that's there, I think I, if it were me, again, best available, I would take an edge and receiver, probably the first two picks. Right. All right, so looking at – um edges as of right now we have ajabo mafe jacks uh the top five are david ajabo boye mafe drake jackson sam williams and arnold edbiketti i'm gonna go ahead and throw cameron thomas in there just because i know that we've seen a lot of uh mocks for him going to us so including him and there's also nick benito he's still he's still there um, but the best available would be David Ajabo if we're going to go edge. I'm going to go ahead and go to the corners just to look at the corners. Um, there's Kyrie Elam, Trent McDuffie, Roger McCrary, 
Tariq Woolen, Kyler Gordon. Uh, I personally wouldn't go corners first pick just because it's it's there's you know other needs, and I feel like we could get a good corner in the second round. Right, the Chiefs lost one corner; they didn't lose multiple. Um, as as far as looking at the depth chart, there they still have two starting corners. Um, so yeah, if it were me personally, I would wait till maybe the second or third round for a corner. Um, going back to edge, I know a lot of people. Um, know that David Ajabo had a pretty nasty injury at his pro day. Um, from what I've heard, it's about a six-month recovery process, and then he can start training and, and getting back into football shape. Even though that could put you at first available for him to play in December, I think with his, like we talked about, standing up speed, he is a guy who is a disruptor. He's fast. He's young. I think he just turned 21. Mm-hmm. He's only got one year of starting. He was, in, he was on the opposite side of Aiden Hutchinson. And if you look up tape, a lot of times Aiden Hutchinson may have got the sack, but David Ajabo was back there first. No. I would I would choose him over a guy like Mafe just because I think Mafe is a guy who isn't going to be consistent enough to be a first-round pick. Right. He uh, honestly is a guy that you could see in the late or early second round if someone wanted to take him there. Uh, To me, Mafe is like if you were to even though in today's NFL, there's no such thing as a scheme fit anymore. But if you were to look at a traditional scheme fit defensive end for a spag system, to me, he reminds me of Justin Tuck. He has like a Justin Tuck body, in my opinion. But Dave, you're right about David Ajabo. I mean, he his speed, his athleticism alone, uh, you can do a lot with that. So you're gonna have to look past the fact he wears 59 and he's from Michigan. Or 50, yeah, 50, 55. <laughs> sorry, 55 and he's from Michigan. Yeah, that's what you're gonna have to look past. Right, and I don't know much about Drake Jackson at all out of USC. I mean, looking at his stats, they're not really anything flashy at all. No. Um, Sam Williams, uh, he's fast. He's more traditional outside linebacker, but I heard he has a lot of off-field issues. Uh, right. And Arnold Ebiketti, we both kind of agreed that there was nothing really impressive with him. Out of- I watched his highlights, and he was struggling against a freshman left tackle. Um, that shows to me, hey, he either doesn't have a high motor, he's not trying, maybe he's a little lazy, mm-hmm. or maybe he's just not that good. Right. Um, Cameron Thomas is definitely a guy I can really see them taking just because of who he is and how built he is. Um, and just because he led the league and or led the NCAA in pressures. Um, but I wouldn't take him at 29 personally. No, but- he's the guy you, that he also is coming off an injury at happened at the combine. Right. So yeah. He's a guy you can get in the third round if teams aren't quite sure about his injury. Right. And he could play inside and outside. And that, and I know that Spags like that versatility. Um, so we're both going to agree that we're going to go ahead and draft David Ajabo at 29. All right. So now, even though we're at pick 30, so uh, the Patriots want to offer us the 54th and 85th picks in next year's second for this pick in the hundred. Why the 135th? I don't know why. Maybe that. Would, maybe that's just a really good one in the um, 
I believe that's in the third. Uh, so I don't know. We're going to reject that, though. And, yeah, I'm not going to even read off this Houston trade. We're going to reject it and this Dallas one, too. So at this point, um, again, best available, we, we don't have a number one wide receiver. Um, that is a big need. There are some people that think Jamison Williams. Personally, I don't think he will be there at 29 or 30. I don't think Alave will be there at 29 or 30 because there's a lot of teams starting at 15 all the way up to 28 that need a wide receiver. They may already have their starting guy, but they need that number two. And with it being a star-loaded wide receiver class, this is the class where you go get your number two. Right. Um, right now, so the best – if we're looking at the receivers, the best top of the list is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. We both know how we feel about him. He reminds us of Stefan Diggs. He has that athleticism. He has that speed, too. Um, and he can and he can he can beat man press. And that's that's kind of what um, we've kind of been needing from these other receivers is just being able to beat man press and just getting yeah. open, creating space. Yeah. Um, after He's a terrific route runner. That's what stands out to me. Right. Yes, he is a terrific route runner. Um and uh, they said he's very uh, – he's it's fluid. His footwork is very fluid, and he and his breaks – or his cuts out of his – breaks into his routes are, are smooth too. Um, the next guy is Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. I heard he's really good. Um, he's, he's a guy who only has uh, one year of starting. Um, I did some re- research on him. I've been hearing some rumblings about him. So I looked him up. He's about an 800-yard receiver coming out of Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, he's a bigger guy. He's fast. Uh, he's a guy that would be a good fit for Patrick Mahomes, not in the first round, but he is a guy that goes up and high points a ball on a streak route between a safety and corner, and he will go up and get it knowing he's going to get hit, and it doesn't phase him at all, which is something the Chiefs have been missing the past few years. So what Pro Football Network has as his, um, his uh, report, they said, so at 6'3", with impressive pass-catching skills, is Cincinnati wide receiver a screw-it, Pierce is down there somewhere type of possession receiver. Yeah. Well, that's what Chiefs Kingdom has been used to for the last, what, six years or at least the last four with Mahomes, saying, fuck it, Tyreek is down there somewhere. The difference uh, is, is he doesn't have Tyreek's speed. Right. But again, is he worth a first-round pick? Is he the best player available? Probably not. Right, right. And I mean, even he's extremely athletic. His athletic is uh, RAS was 9.8. Um, and yeah, they said that he ran a, four, a sub 4.5 in, in high school. They don't have his uh, actual 40 time up here. But um, oh, so yeah, I guess he, I don't, do you know what he did at the combine? I don't remember what he did there. I think a lot of the tension was on Alave and Garrett Wilson and Drake London, those guys like that. Um, I did read an article that said he has touched four four five speed mm-hmm. in Cincinnati, but that's been his fastest recorded time. Um, again, he, he is a big-bodied possession guy that will go up and high point a ball. Um, his play style, from what he did in Cincinnati, he looks like a – a Travis Kelsey, a really fast tight end. Right, right. And 
Third after him is Christian Watson. Uh, he's in that smaller, not as big, not as big of a school, uh, North North Dakota State, but he balled out. His, his stats were really good. He's 6'4", 208, or I guess he, I guess it uh, looks like he's, they have him actually listed at 6'5", not 6'4". So he pretty much could be a tight end if he added like 40 pounds. Yeah, that he, so he's about the size of Drake London. The only difference is Drake London's coming out of a major school and yeah. Christian Watson's coming out of a team that can't even be in the college football playoffs. So Right, and he ran a 4-4, so he's got the speed. Um, His dad it, played for the Chiefs back in the day. He right. Was, I yeah. believe he's a linebacker. Yes, 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 you're right, yes. So I, I think that natural connection there, a lot of people are going to look at, but at the end of the day, it's best player available, so – um, then you got a guy like Pickens out of Georgia, George Pickens. He's he was their number one receiver. So he had a report today where he said he is the best receiver in the draft. Uh, you like guys with the mindset like that? Yeah, you like guys with the mindset like that. But um, again, what do your eyes tell you? Right, right. Well, and, and we all know that Georgia wasn't built on their offense. They were built around that defense, and that's ultimately why they won the, the national championship. Right, and a run game. That's why they have two running backs that are going to get drafted this year. That's an, a guy like Stetson Bennett passing to you. So Right. Um, then you got John Mechie, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. Now, I know he tore his ACL and stuff, but, I mean, I know that – Jamison Williams was the most more explosive like player as far as receiver goes, but Mechie to me he looked like he was faster. I think Mechie was more the guy. If I remember looking at his stats, he averaged like eleven yards a catch. Right. He's an underneath guy that probably opened up Jamison Williams for more explosive plays. Uh-huh. Um, we kind of already have that receiver. Our- that's the case with Juju. All right. Um, so. Yeah, and you know, and also, I feel like John Mechie would probably get utilized, like you know how we use um, hard. Yeah, you'd probably look at him that. You'd probably look at him as you probably put him on the same playing field as D. Rob. Right, and then you got guys like Jalen Tolbert, Sky Moore, Romeo Dobbs, um, Calvin Austin, David Bell, Eric Ukazama. So, uh, I mean, if we're going to go receiver, best player available is Jahan Dotson. Right, and I think he would be – I don't think you – obviously you can't replace Tyreek Hill, but he's not a bad one to step in and be number one receiver. Right. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take Jahan Dotson with 30th pick. And I believe we have a pick at 50, right, only about 20 picks later. Yep, we're right now. We're right there. And Indy wants to send us a trade. Nope. So – I think at this spot is where you could see DB. You see a corner, a linebacker, or a defensive tackle, especially with Nadi only being on a one-year deal and Chris Jones potentially moving on after this year. Right. So, but again, best player available, what are they going to do? Are they going to go out and get a guy to take over defensive tackle? Are they going to get that third linebacker? Or are they going to get a corner? Right. Right. If we go back to – if we go to edge, the top three edges that they still have is Drake Jackson, Sam Williams, and Cam Thomas. We go to linebacker, you have Brandon Smith out of Penn State, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, um, Quay Walker at Georgia, and Brian Osamoa, um, Oklahoma. Osamoa is a guy who is a pure 
drop back pass coverage linebacker. I think he's a little undersized. I think he's around six foot, 220. Yeah. Yeah. That's small for a linebacker, but I know watch from watching Oklahoma, he was mainly backing up. They said he's good. He's a really, really good man to man coverage defender. You know what he reminds me of is he reminds me of a guy like um, uh, Matt Milano from yeah. Buffalo Bills, who, a guy who pretty much is a linebacker, but who can cover. It's a little undersized guy, too. Other, I mean, he can't cover Travis Kelsey, but that's, <laughs> no one can tra- cover him. So, um, anyways, yeah, and then you have a guy like Channing Tindall. He's a really good uh, – he's a really good coverage linebacker. He's 230 pounds. Um, and, again, they, they may not go with that, so they could go corner. They could go – I don't think they'll go safety. Mm-hmm. Um, they could. I I don't think they will until a late later, maybe seventh round, just to fill a spot. Right. But this could be the time where they go out and fill that corner position as well. So if we look at corner, uh, you have Tariq Woolen out of UTSA, Kyler Gordon out of Washington, Martin Emerson in uh, Mississippi State, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati, and Cam Taylor Britt Nebraska. Okay, I uh, I think you and I are on the same page with Co- uh, Kobe Bryant. He, uh, I believe he actually won, was it the Jim Thorpe Award in college yeah. for best defensive back, even though he which was is crazy, which is crazy that he's projected second to third round when he's the one that won best defensive back and Sauce Gardner was on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. And going so, end of top five, potentially. So Sauce Gardner wins. The thing, though, is Sauce Gardner. Like I said, he's a top 10, top five pick. This You getting a guy like Kobe Bryant this late could be a massive steal. Right, right. He And Sauce Gardner got drafted at number six to Cincinnati. Um, or not Cincinnati, I'm sorry, uh, Carolina. He's from Cincinnati. He went to Carolina, though. But if you're in the war room right now, what are, what are you taking at this point? I- I'm taking a corner, in my opinion, and I we we said it ourselves. I want Kobe Bryant in this defense. Uh, he he's smart. He he knows how to play. He's built off fundamentals, and that's a guy that I want. I mean, I mean, unless you want uh, Tariq Woolen, uh, the the tall guy. He's out of that smaller school, but you know he's huge. I think I would rather roll with Bryant, kind of like you said. Um, he. He's not. He's used to not getting the spotlight either. Playing on the opposite side of a guy like Sauce Gardner, so he's not going to walk in with a massive ego. And does his job, and that's that's kind of what we need. Yeah, I think he would be a great replacement for Charvarius Ward. All right, so we're going to go ahead and take him at pick fifty, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. And we should have one at sixty-two, right? Yep, yep. And the Raiders are trying to trade with us, so fuck you. And I, I think at this point. Even though it's best player available, I think you could see the Chiefs taking a edge rusher again, depending who's there, um, because it is a deep class. Or you could see them take a linebacker. Right. If we look at the linebackers. I mean, they still got they got Leo Chanel, they got Quay Walker, they still got Brian Osamoa and Channing Tindall. Um. <laughs> Now, I mean, I don't know how Chiefs Kingdom is going to feel about them taking another linebacker in the second round, but at least it's not our first pick of the damn draft. 
Right. <laughs> and again, uh, edge rusher, it, th- this entire defense is so deep. That's why I, I won't be surprised if they take two edge rushers in the first four picks. No, mm. oh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and edge rushers right now, they have Sam Williams, uh, Kingsley, and Nagbare, and, and Isaiah Thomas, and other guys out of there that are not really nothing. Yeah, um, I could see a guy like Sam Williams. He's a big guy. He's more of Spagnolo's fit for a true defensive end. Um, he's, I think he's out of Ole Miss. I think he recorded double-digit sacks, if I remember right. He's a guy you could take at edge. He's not going to stand up. He's going to be in a three-point stance. Yeah, no, you're right. I, 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 I mistaked uh, Sam Williams for uh, – I was thinking of Nick Benito. Um, but he got, he got taken. So is Nick Benito on the board? Uh, no, he was drafted. It's where did he got taken? He's a guy I like because he reminds me a lot of Michael Parsons. He actually the past two years has one of has, is the highest graded pure pass rusher in all of college football. Right, right. So where did, where did Nick Benito go? He went. It couldn't have been. I can't. It could have been. Oh, he went at pick fifty nine, and he went to Green Bay. So the pick right before us. Yeah, our three picks right before us. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll leave it up to you at this point. Uh, yeah. Are you? Are we taking a defensive tackle? Are we taking an edge rusher? Are we taking a linebacker? I'm going to go ahead and take Sam Williams. I would take another edge just because. Um, I mean, you have Naughty there, so it's not like it's a major need. He is there. Um, I do see them adding depth at some point at that position. True. I, yeah, and you could probably get the defensive ta- interior at later rounds. Only reason why I was going to say Sam Williams out of Mississippi because, you know, David Adabo is going to take some time to get adjusted back into the, you know, game and he might even not even want to play until 2023 so you know we don't know what the situation is going to be with him and cam thomas actually got taken right before us and he got taken to the uh the 49ers so if we took a guy like you know sam williams he could be our play now guy opposite side of uh frank clark right and ajabo plays the exact same side that clark does so if he's not back that's no big deal and I think the reason why Sam Williams has fell down people's boards is because of those off-field issues. But knowing who we are, we like to take chances on guys like that. So and they, a lot of times it's paid off for us too. So I think we should. Why not just take another one? Exactly. Exactly. So we're gonna go ahead and draft Sam Williams with the sixty-second pick. All right, and we are coming up on our next one, and we are at the pick ninety-four. Yeah, um, I think at this point, I mean, it could be anything. Uh, yeah, I feel like at this point it is um, filling roster spots um, with obviously potential starters. When Usually when you're picked in the first three rounds, you're looking at being a starter right away. Um, again, linebacker is a need. We don't really have a true number, you know, three guy. Uh, safety. Safety, yeah. Um, you could look at you could look at 
a wide receiver, which some people will say, well, you know, the Chiefs have, we, you know, we took Jahan Dotson in the first. Well, McCole Hardman's probably not going to be a return specialist anymore. You know, a guy like Calvin Austin, if he's there, would not be surprising if they drafted him. Right. And Calvin Austin actually has been drafted and he got taken by the Browns at pick 78. So um, if we look at defense, safety wise, Nick Cross is still there. And I know me and you have done plenty of mocks and we both have picked uh, Nick Cross. Um, I definitely love, you know, his athleticism. He could play multiple spots. Uh, Him and Verone McKinley are probably one of those better steel picks as far as late round guys. Right. They said that uh, his biggest thing was he knew he made a lot of touchdown saving plays as far as like in the, like in the end zone um, was able to uh, basically break up high point passes. He's a former track star. So he has the speed. He's explosive. Um, I mean, if, if we want to go safety, I would take him or, uh, Verone McKinley and Verone McKinley actually got drafted. Where did he go? He must have went. He had to have gone early third round. Yeah, he went to the he went to the um, Titans at pick ninety. Okay. Well, it looks like uh, Nick Cross needs to be a chief then. Awesome. Yep. Looks like we're going to go with uh, Nick Cross. The Chiefs defense got beat on a lot of deep passes last year, and depending on what kind of nickel they're going to run this year, if it's three corners or three safeties, he may be, he may need to be out there. Right, right. All right, so now we're at pick uh, 104. Or, sorry, not – yeah. Nope, yeah, pick 103, not 104. Rams are 104. Uh, at this point, I'm cool with going off to the offensive side. I'd be cool with a uh, uh, tackle, rec- you know, receiver, running back. Is there uh, what's left at actual linebacker? Oh, linebacker. Uh, let me see something real quick because we actually have the 135th pick. Um, linebacker. Yeah, they still have Brian Osamoa and Channing Tindall and Leo Chanel. I- I think Osimo would be a good steal pick at that point because Willie Gay is a good sideline to sideline coverage guy. Obviously, Nick Bolton is a run stuffer, so you do need a linebacker that can drop back into a zone and play a little bit deeper. Yep, yep, I completely agree. So it looks like we're going to take Brian Osimo the second out of Oklahoma, and that's going to be our pick. Yeah, pick one hundred three. But again, the rest. I mean, from this point on in the draft, I think you're going to see. A lot of, you know, they may draft another receiver, may get some depth at offensive line. Just, you know, that, at this point, you're kind of at that who's going to be our backups. Right, right. That backup stage, is it going to be defensive tackle, offensive line? Some people are saying tight end. I don't think they'll draft a tight end this year, especially with getting Noah Gray last year. They had Blake Bell, Jody Forson's coming back. I think that's that would be kind of a waste of a pick at this point. Right, right, and I think they're they're still gonna try to develop Noah Gray as much as they can. Um, he's a tight end of Duke. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, but if we look at the offense, and this is pick one twenty one, and we and I think our last pick of the draft is one thirty five, or of this mock draft. Um, looking at the offensive tackles, 
the best one right now is Rashid Walker. Mm-hmm. I know we both uh, we both have looked at him. Um, running backs. There's we may need to look into a uh, guard as well. Um, guard, yeah, let's get in the guards. You know, uh, Trey Smith has had a history. I don't think we have a lot of depth at guard, and Trey Smith, you know, he's had his share of injuries along with Niang, not so much as a pro, but definitely in college. Right. The best guy they got up there is Cole Strange out of uh, Chattanooga. Um, they have an LSU guy, Chasen Hines. Do you know about him? Yeah, yeah, you don't want him. <laughs> yeah, it uh, you can go back and you can go back and watch the first game of the year against Chip Kelly's UCLA. That LSU offensive line was absolutely horrible. <laughs> if you do want to look at LSU, I will recommend their defensive tackle. He's right. he's actually graded at one of the highest defensive tackles in the draft. Um if if he's available at that spot, he wouldn't be a bad pick. But again, that's a spot, you know, having four seventh round picks, they could if they did hang on, you know, those could also be your guards, your tackles, defensive tackles. Right. Stuff like that. So, and um, a quarterback, because Andy Reid does always like having a rookie quarterback. So, my uh, looking at the defensive tackles, um, there's one guy that stands out for me. And just because I, I watched a little bit of Ohio State football, and that's Haskell Garrett. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, he's 6'2, he's 300 pounds, but he, 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 he's a he's a run stuffer, but he's very athletic and he knows how to, you know, create penetration on the gaps. He knows how to open them up for the linebackers to flow through. And I think if you can have, you know, just more beefier guys on that defensive line, especially next to Chris Jones, you know, that'll help guys like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton out more and whoever else that we add to this defense um he's one guy that i like just because of his explosiveness and his ability to bull rush um there's uh zachary carter out of florida he's a little bit lighter um but they say he's more of a three uh he has experience playing three four defensive end but um they really they think he's a lot better in a three tech yeah, I, I like the guy out of Ohio State. You know, he did lose Reed, so that may be a guy that could step in and kind of play the same role as him as far as ro- rotating in and out with Derek Naughty and Chris Jones. Um, the LSU guy, defensive tackles, Neil Farrell Jr. Yep. Uh, I mean, what did you – did you mention anything about him? Or He's good. He is uh... – that LSU entire team obviously struggled quite a bit last year. Um, he's graded as one of the highest defensive tackles uh, in the entire draft. I think even PFF has him graded like a 90, which is first-round talent. It's just going to depend on his motor. He's, I think he's around about the same size as Chris Jones. He's at he floats around 290 to about 305. He's a little bit on the shorter end, though. I think he's 6'2", 6'3". But I think with uh, Derek Naughty on that one-year deal, him being a run stuffer, losing Reed, maybe a guy out of Ohio State might be a little bit better option at this point. Right, right. All right, so I guess we're going to go ahead and go with the Ohio State guy, Haskell Garrett at 121. All right, now we're up to our last pick in this draft, and that is at pick 135. Um, I 
I think we both can agree we need depth at tackle. We don't know what the right side's going to be. I know they brought in Jaron Christian, but, you know, he's they they mentioned him to be a swing guy. So, uh, and we need guys just, just to battle it out in camp. Maybe they can push Lucas Niang and stuff like that. I know health has really been his issue, but maybe if he has some competition there, it might wake him up or wake someone up. So, yeah, and, you know, if they can find someone that's a little bit more athletic, that, that always helps. I think that was one of the issues with our offensive line last year, especially at the tackle position. You know, I, it's safe to say Orlando Brown's not going to go anywhere, but, you know, the right tackle spot, Wiley is not a tackle. He's a guard. Yeah. You can't really rely on him. There is Niang who you can't rely on him because he's so injury-prone, back issues and knee issues. And the guy from Houston – yeah, he started last year, but then again, you look back at Houston's offensive line, it was absolutely terrible. So how good is he? Right. Um, this could be one of those positions where, hey, we stole a guy in the fourth, and, or, uh, yeah, fourth round and he could be a starter. Right, right. And the best tackle they got is Rasheed Walker. They said that he played a lot of the left side because he's very athletic um, his angles are very good. He has good lateral, lateral burst, so that's something that you'd probably want more in the screen game. Um, and he's able to get uh, good leverage on his uh, when he's extending his arms on the uh, pass rush. Um, that's the guy that I would want to take uh, out of Penn State if we were going to go tackle. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, too. Uh, you know, we're, we've been talking about the right side, but there was a point last year where Orlando Brown got hurt and Joe Tooney stepped in at left tackle. Mm-hmm. That being said, it would be really nice if Joe Tooney could stay at guard and us have a, you know, he may not be the best backup, but a decent backup at left tackle. And if he's a little bit more athletic, we're not going to just up and trade or get rid of Orlando Brown. Right. He's more athletic and Orlando Brown isn't there. That may open up the playbook for some of those screens that we aren't able to do anymore. Right, right. So I guess we can go ahead and agree we're going to go ahead and draft Rasheed Walker from Penn State, uh, the offensive tackle, at 135. And, then, you know, we're not touching the four seventh-round picks, but don't be surprised if you see, you know, just a guard, a center, because we did lose Blythe uh Mm-hmm. This off season, you could see a center, you could see a guard. Oh, they brought back, uh, they brought back, uh, fucking, oh, what's his name, Austin Ryder. Yeah, they brought him back. So you know, you may, it, it could be interesting. Um, don't be surprised you see a running back in there. Uh, it's a very deep running back class, which no one is really thinking of. But a guy like Hassan Haskins out of Michigan had twenty touchdowns on the ground last year. Um, Beatty out of Mizzou is a guy that he gets a lot of touches. He may be kind of shot at the pro level after a year or two, but he's a 1,500-yard guy rushing and a guy that gets 53 catches through the air. So if they're, if one of those guys are there in the sixth or seventh, don't be surprised you see them trade up to grab one or take one with one of those seventh-round picks. Right, right. All right, so to recap this uh, mock draft, we uh, got David Ajabo, the edge out of Michigan, at pick 29. Uh, Jahan Dotson, the receiver out of Penn State, at a pick 30. And we got Kobe Bryant, the cornerback out of the cornerback out of Cincinnati, at pick 50. Then we went and drafted another edge. Got Sam Williams, the edge out of Mississippi, at pick 62. Then we went safety, Nick Cross out of Maryland, at pick 94. 
Then at pick 103, we picked uh, Brian Osamoa the second, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. Then we went uh, Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle out of Ohio State at pick 121. And in, in this mock draft, we had picked uh, Rashid Walker, the offensive tackle out of Penn State at pick 135. I mean, that this is a to me, I think this is a really good uh, draft. I mean, as far as what I would do. Yeah, it fills needs. And like, and like we said earlier, uh, as of right now, no trades have been made. We hold two first round back to back picks. Uh, there were rumors today of Kansas City trying to trade up into the top 10. The rumor is that it is for a wide receiver. So the other thing to remember, too, about the draft, it takes one Las Vegas Raider draft pick to shake up everyone's board. I mean, they're known the past few years for taking a third or fourth round talent in the first round. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows who will be there at 29 or 30 come draft day. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, is there anything that you want to cover more on as far as draft goes, or are you good? No, I, I think that that'll do it for this episode. Like I said, uh, you know, next week could be a totally different story. We may have something to cover for as far as, hey, we don't have two first-round picks anymore, but until then we do. So we'll just have to wait and see until draft day what happens. Right, right. All right, guys, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the podcast, the Arrowhead Boys podcast.